Welcome once again to Devotional. This is Pastor Ariel. Today we are studying lesson number 5 for Wednesday, November 14. I really missed doing these while I was in El Salvador and I'm so happy to be back. Uh, once again, being able to put together these uh, programs and I'm excited to talk about today's uh, lesson. We're halfway through for this week, uh, the Jerusalem Council. And uh, I highlighted many things on this page, so I had a hard time. What do I focus on? I don't want to make these podcasts extremely long. So I just picked one thing, traditions. I thought that this was a powerful loaded word that means different things to different people. And when we think about, especially in the lesson, you know, with the Jerusalem Council, how would they relate to circumcision? I began to realize, number one, we tend to say circumcision was, was a Jewish tradition when it is not. Circumcision was something God commanded, not something the Jewish people invented. Abraham did not one day wake up and decide, hey, I'm going to circumcise myself and teach all my descendants to do so. He was commanded to do so by God. So circumcision in and of itself was not a tradition, but originated with God's in the mind and heart of God. What it became interpreted, what circumcision came to mean centuries later, that was tradition. So it just kind of put some thoughts in you that you can discuss on Sabbath as to, you know, do we as Seventh-day Adventists have traditions? And traditions need to have that distinction. Sometimes we lump those things together and we say, oh, circumcision was bad because it was a tradition. No, circumcision was not a tradition. The interpretation and the meaning that got attached to it became uh, or came to be through traditions, which are human, the human element trying to interpret something God has commanded us to do. And so I have a question for you. Um, do you think that a Seventh-day Adventist church having been around now for 150 years. Do we have traditions? I mean, Anglicans, Lutherans, Methodists, they've been around a lot longer, and certainly they have traditions. Do we? And if we do, what are they? Have you ever spent time thinking about what you do as a Seventh-day Adventist? I mean, we tend to tell people, you know, we are people of the Bible, we are the people of the book, we know the Bible, and we can show you from the Scriptures that what we believe, all of it comes strictly from the Scriptures. And, of course, I'm not trying to challenge that in this podcast. What I'm trying to ask you is, are, do we have traditions as a Seventh-day Adventist church? Which means that not necessarily all traditions are bad, first of all. Uh, there are some good, tra good traditions, but there are traditions that are not biblical. And just how circumcision came to become inundated and swallowed up in um, human-invented ideas and theories, circumcision lost its meaning completely from what God wanted it to mean. And we talked about this in a previous podcast. The, the, the idea of circumcision for Abraham was God. I mean, remember this. He had just uh, gone through with the plan with Sarah to conceive a child through Hagar. And God was saying, no, it's not going to be Ishmael because it has not been fulfilled through the power of my word. It has not been fulfilled through my manifestation of my power to keep my promises. You are trying to help me. So here's a reminder that you cannot help me fulfill my promises to you, Abraham. I want you to circumcise yourself. Um, I've given you my promise to you while you were still uncircumcised. But um, I want you to circumcise so that every time uh, you, you use the bathroom, 
<laughs> I guess. Um, you remember, you are reminded, um, you cannot help me fulfill my promises. You can just simply rely on the fact that I promised you something. And even if your body is telling you that you cannot, even if the years are telling you that neither you or Sarah can conceive a child, you can still believe that I will fulfill my promise. That was circumcision. Righteousness by faith. Believing that God will keep his promises without any help or cooperation from me in any way, shape, or form. That was the original intent of circumcision. Is that what circumcision meant when Jesus walked on earth? Certainly not. Definitely not uh, when Paul had to confront it. Um, for, for many in the Jewish community, had mean completely the opposite. So again, I go back to the, my question to you. Do you find that there are traditions that we as Seventh-day Adventists have? Do you have traditions? And how do you know? And even more importantly, how do you know they're biblical? Sometimes we say th things are not biblical simply because we don't like them. You know, we have traditions that, you know, uh, behavioral traditions. Like for many decades, our church was accustomed to doing in-gathering. And that is something that for the most part, as far as I know, very few churches still do in-gathering the way it was done at least some decades ago, going door-to-door -door with our communities. And I'm wondering, you know, is that something worthwhile rebooting, uh, restarting, rethinking? I think it is. Um, these are just my thoughts. Um, maybe the way to restart, if no, many churches have not done it in quite some time, is to become visible to our communities. I think one of the big advantages of in-gathering is that it made our churches visible. But what happens when we haven't and our community has either forgotten or people have new people have moved in and don't even know we exist? I think creating community activities of health or cooking classes, those type of things that we're really good at, could put us in the map again. And after doing a couple of those and being, being visible to the immediate community of the church, then we could send some other means. We, have to, we can do door knocking, I believe is the best. Well, we kind of shy away from it, but man, I, I was, my door was knocking, was being knocked on uh, two or three times a week by people making sure that I was going to go out to vote. And you know what? It's effective. Politicians paid big bucks for people to do that because that they know is, the, is way more effective than a flyer, way more effective than Facebook, way more effective than anything else, a personal contact. So I'm thinking, how, how can we redo that, right? I think there's value in it. Um, but are there other ways that we can maybe soften the blow? Our, our cultures may have changed a bit, and we can certainly adjust to it. But to simply say um, it's an old tradition, we're at different times, I wonder about that, especially in light of the fact that, at least in the Monroe Church, two, our, two of our newly baptized members, uh, Dan and Mary, as we were studying one time, they, they became pretty bold and... And they said, you know, Pastor, the message that God has given this church is so beautiful, so powerful. It's a shame you guys are so invisible in our community. And I love the innocence and the truthfulness that uh, Dan and Mary shared that sentiment with me. They felt bad. They wished more people knew about us and were shocked and surprised that so few people knew we even existed. So I think in-gathering could be restarted again because what in-gathering is, is not, hey, give us money, is... We want to put together programs to benefit you. And if you would like to cooperate financially, we would, we would appreciate that. 
Anyways, just for things for, to, for us to think about, you know, how could we approach that again? Because it certainly put us in the map as far as the community were concerned in us seeking to do a blessing for them and inviting them to partner with us in creating these blessing, these opportunities to, for the community to benefit as a whole. Which of course, you know, <laughs> we talk about door knocking for witnessing, which is also a tradition. And I was reminded of this while in El Salvador as I we visited uh, over 10 churches that were being inaugurated and dedicated, churches that did not exist less than a year ago, boom, now they have a temple. And as we asked them, you know, what is the, the key component for your growth is door knocking, just personal approaches to people. There's just no way around it. And I don't think that that is something that people in El Salvador discovered on their own. It's something we taught them when we sent our missionaries over there. Anyways, just are those traditions? I think to some degree they are, and they're not bad traditions. I think they're just needing to be maybe revisited, rebooted, um, but definitely uh, looked at again. But uh, I think those are all surface. The more I thought about it, I'm thinking, yeah, that's, that's uh, yeah, worthwhile discussing. But then a big one came up, um, something that is sensitive, right? Sabbath keeping. Not that the Sabbath is the Sabbath, but how do you keep the Sabbath? Do you think that there are traditions surrounding that notion, that idea? Um, you know, I think there are traditions. And there are, like I said, good traditions, but bad traditions as well. And some of the bad traditions, as I, the more I thought about them, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a pattern. And of course, I'm sharing my thoughts. I, I would welcome you for you to take these, either disagree or agree, but take it to the class this Sabbath and bring it up. Talk about this. Um, you know, I had a tradition for Sabbath keeping. I even had a tradition for Sabbath keeping before my conversion. You want to hear what it is? Here's my tradition. My tradition regarding Sabbath keeping was this. It was okay to listen to songs with profanity as long as the Sabbath, the sun had gone down. When the sun had gone down, all of a sudden, it was okay to listen to music with occult, satanic, and of course, loaded with profanity. Never mind what kind of movies you could watch, but after the sun went down. That is a Sabbath tradition. You know, that Sabbath tradition led me to think of the broader scope of the principle governing that tradition because it stayed with me even after my baptism. Like I said, in a previous podcast, baptism and conversion are not synonyms. You should be converted before you get baptized, but it doesn't mean that everybody that gets baptized has been converted. And I think uh, there are many ways, but for me, Sabbath becomes one of the most tangible, practical ways in which you can examine your own Christianity. Because if you didn't answer it before, you can definitely answer now. I can definitely answer now that Seventh-day Adventists do indeed have traditions. And some of our traditions revolve around Sabbath keeping. And my Sabbath keeping was a Sabbath keeping based on a religion of no. I'm going to say that again. My Sabbath keeping, and this became an insightful thought, and I hope that it will be a blessing for you. My Sabbath keeping was based, became uh, developed, out of a religion of no, N-O, uh, instead of yes. And that, that is meaningful because um, you may be thinking, well, Ariel, 
all of the Ten Commandments begins with no, you shall not, you shall not. Yes and no. <laughs> Actually, no. Only eight of the Ten Commandments begins with no. The only two that begin with a yes is honor your father and mother. And you want to, ask, you want to guess what the other commandment begins with a yes? Sabbath. Sabbath begins with a positive. Remember the Sabbath day. There is no thou shalt not on Sabbath. Yet my Seventh-day Adventist tradition had been developed. The Sabbath, my tradition regarding Sabbath keeping, had been developed from a religion of no's and applied to the Sabbath. The Sabbath, you do not listen to uh, songs with profanity during the Sabbath. You do not play Mortal Kombat during the Sabbath. You do not watch rated R movies during the Sabbath. After the Sabbath, and that's when it hit me. I reversed it. <laughs> Sabbath is a commandment about yes. Sabbath is a commandment that all the possibilities of what could be yeses should be explored from Scripture and applied to that day. Instead, um, I grew up, and part of it is my upbringing. Part of it is the theology that governed, you know, Adventism some decades ago. Um, all of that, I'm sure, had a play to it. But not everybody felt this way either. People that actually went to the Bible got it. You know, we started with this issue of circumcision, right? And this lesson actually is where this insight came from. Circumcision was not a Jewish tradition. It started with God. The way that it was interpreted by the time Jesus and Paul came around, it was saturated with uh, traditions that blurred its meaning completely. If you read Romans chapter 4, verses 10 through 12, Paul, guided by the Spirit of God, he got circumcision. He understood what it was about. And he, he basically brings a balanced approach to this through scriptures. He goes to the book of Genesis and asks questions. Was the promise of righteousness, the, the promise given to Abraham before or after he was circumcised? And when you read the Bible, Clearly, God promised him this promise of making him a blessing through all nations. There will be a seed that will bless all nations that will come through Abraham's lineage. God made that promise to Abraham before he was circumcised. And he repeated it after he was circumcised. So he says, you know, God is the father of those that are circumcised, but also of those that are not circumcised. Because in the end, what matters is the fact that Abraham believed God. And that was what was counted for him as righteousness. So Paul got it because he went to the scriptures. And I believe that there has always been happy Seventh-day Adventists, that Sabbath for them was the day of the big yes, the big positive. It wasn't the day of the big no's, like for me. Sabbath was the day in which I could not. And this is the insight that I got. When, when I reversed it, and I'm just speaking from my personal experience, when I reversed the commandment that was a yes and made it into a no, you know what happened? I reversed the other commandments too. <laughs> and because I made Sabbath a Sabbath of no, I made idolatry something that yes. Having other gods? Yes. Taking God's name in vain? Yes. Uh, coveting, lying, all the stuff? Yes, I do that. I do it after Sabbath, but I do it. 
But when you put Sabbath in yes, when you approach the Sabbath in the in the, I mean Jesus' Jesus' efforts, his some of the the most uh, strongest uh, miracles, biggest miracles he did, he reserved them for Sabbath to reverse this idea of saturating the Sabbath with no religion and making it an experience of yes, of the blessings of God. Jesus would ask questions like, is it good to save life or to destroy it? Well, the commandment says you shall not murder. So therefore, yes, Sabbath is about saving lives. So Jesus was trying to make the Sabbath a yes day, a yes commandment day, so that in making Sabbath yes, all the other commandments would fall in place as becoming no's. No, I will not have any other gods before me. No, I will not make any graven images to bow down to them. No, I will not take God's name in vain. And of course, the other no's. I will not murder. I will not steal, lie, covet, etc., etc. I think the way it works is you make Sabbath a yes. Yes to God's presence. Yes to being having intimacy with you. And through that influence, that connection, God empowers me to live the other ten, the other eight commandments that are about not doing things. That's just my thoughts, right? Uh, I want to see what you think. But more importantly, why not revise some of the traditions that you may be having about Sabbath right now? What do you do when the sun goes down? Does it speak of you as a Christian? Does it still reveal that you are connected with the Lord? Because what goes on after Sabbath in my life for many years revealed I was not converted. I had traditions about Sabbath, but I was not converted. But there's hope. There was hope for me. You know why I know that? Because John chapter 3 tells me there was hope for a man much older than me at that time. And I did not know as much as he did in the Bible. Yet Jesus could tell this uh, superficial Sabbath keeper that kept Sabbath as a no day, Nicodemus. He told him, you have to be born again. And maybe you will find yourself that you are baptized, but you have not been born again. Because Sabbath to you, even to this day, is a day of no instead of a day of yes. You know, Jesus wants to make Sabbath a blessing for you. And it doesn't mean that you discard every tradition. But this lesson today invites you and I to examine, is my tradition keeping me from experiencing conversion? Or is it leading me day by day to experience it in a more deeper, fuller, personal way? I pray for you and I, my friend, that we will always be willing to revise our traditions because they're there. And may we always choose those traditions that make our religion one of yes to Jesus and no to this world.